Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walters Show. God bless you all today. The usual pack. I mean, I've got a half a inch. No, I got a. I got more than a half an inch of notes that I've written out for this. Pro- I will not get to it all, but I won't get to much of it if I don't get going. But I do want to remind you that you can hear this over several stations in the West: KKVV in Las Vegas, Nevada; KK in Paradise. California. I've actually never been there. I got to go to Paradise. I'll get to Paradise someday. Uh, maybe not in this life, but we'll see. Anyway, you can also get the program on or via podcast Robin Walters Show, The Robin Walters Show. Type in either one on your podcast search bar and you will pull it up. If you want to write me, I am Robin Walters Show at gmail.com. All right, let's roll. I, I've got to keep my promise here that I will start with good news. Uh, it's not a big story, but every good news, bit of good news is very welcome today in a world in which we live uh, inundated, frankly, by bad news. And again, it comes from the bluegrass state of Kentucky, where the House passed a bill that will allow parents to now formally challenge sexually explicit curriculum in the classroom. It was never possible before. Never possible. You got to go to the teacher, and then if you got kind of a left-wing loser for the teacher for your kids, well, they shouldn't be in there anyway. But if that's who you've got, and they've been sneaking stuff to your sons and daughters about everything ungodly, you've got teachers that are bibliophobic, Christophobic, you name it, and you go to the principal. The principal initially will take uh, take sides with the teacher, and I understand that. Uh, you got to get two sides to the story. But there was no formal process. And it looks like there's going to be here in the state of Kentucky to formally to file claims against sexually explicit curriculum in the classroom without having to go to court. That's kind of a big deal. What I hope is that what Kentucky's doing will be picked up by others. Uh, folks, I'm sorry, but that's the end of the good news uh, stories here. The next one, this is um, this is just astounding. I, I, I can hardly believe this, but Grand Valley State University in Ottawa County, Michigan, my home state, in addition to their regular graduation ceremonies, are now going to have a total of six graduation ceremonies. Five will celebrate and recognize students of a certain whatever, ilk, I guess, to be nice. And so what they're going to do, they, uh, they'll have one graduation, but then they have five other graduations that are celebratory events to celebrate the graduates who are, first, Asian. So you got your Asian graduation. you got your black generation or your graduation. You've got your Latino slash A slash X. What 
whatever the heck that means. I don't even want to know graduation. You've got a graduation celebration for Native Americans. And, of course, not to be left behind is the LGBTQIA+. You see, a long time ago when I started saying LGBTQRCUVWXYZ, it was only LG, and then quickly it was LGBT. I predicted that they would have additional uh, debauched, abominable behaviors tacked onto this, and they have. They're now up to eight. Eight. So you got your Asian graduation celebration, your black graduation celebration, your Latino AX graduation celebration, your Native American, a uh, Native, I already said that. Then they, but there's a special one for the LGBTQRSTVDWXYZ crowd, and it's called the Lavender Graduation Celebration. Isn't that just choice? Isn't that just precious? Isn't that just peachy? Now, I want to tell you what Grand Valley State University is actually celebrating. They're actually celebrating an attempt to overturn a Supreme Court case called Plessy v. Ferguson. Plessy v. Ferguson was a Supreme Court case that said separate but equal is constitutional. So if you had segregated classrooms, you had white classrooms, white schools, black schools, they were segregated, did not violate the Constitution. They were still equal, that's separate but equal. But along came Brown versus Board of Education, which overruled that. So what is Grand Valley State University trying to do here? They're actually trying to reinstitute an overruled Supreme Court case that separate can be equal. They're so focused on diversity, there's, there is no coming together. There's no unity. And they call this progressive? Well, if they are actually functionally behaving like the Supreme Court that upheld Plessy v. Ferguson, that separate could be equal. They're anything but progressive. They are distinctly regressive. So Grand Valley comes out and says, uh, we are doing this because it's a recruiting tool to motivate others to pursue advanced degrees at Grand Valley State University after seeing the success of their peers. A now, I mean, it says, it's a recruiting tool to segregate people into their own special a graduation ceremony to draw attention to them, their victimology, what have you. But they go on. It goes. It gets worse. It says the programs are an opportunity. That's what they say. Opportunity to come together. Remember that Beatles song? Come together. Blah blah blah. Opportunity to come together and acknowledge Laker accomplishments. Now they're the Grand Valley State University Lakers because it's near Lake Michigan. The opportunity to come together and acknowledge Laker accomplishments in the spirit and traditions of our diverse identities and cultures. Well, wait a second. If you're celebrating diversity, you're celebrating division, you're celebrating differences, how is that coming together, Mr. Nimrod from uh, this school? But there's one other reason that this story hits me hard. And here you go. I used to teach 
at that university. I taught in the master's program, the master's of taxation. I taught gift taxation, estate taxation, generation skipping tax. I taught there. This is not my alma mater. I actually taught at a school that I would not now allow my grandchildren to go to if it were free. And not to be outdone, uh, the University of California, Davis, has their version of diversity and inclusion. Charlie Kirk, who you obviously know about, and Turning Point USA, he went there to speak. And uh, the chancellor, Gary May, released a video. And in the video, this is a chancellor, in the name of free speech, indicating that he hopes that no one shows up for the event. He said, quote, we can work together to neutralize and negate their influence. There, what is he talking about? Conservatives, Christians. This is all-out war against Christianity. Uh, certainly not um, started at UC schools, but uh, I'd say incubated there at the least. So uh, Chancellor made it clear that he considered Kirk's views, in the words of Michael Brown, to be, quote, loathsome and hurtful. He um, identified clerk or clerk Kirk as a quote well-known proponent of misinformation and hate and who has advocated for violence against transgender individuals. End quote. Of course that is an absolute lie. I hope Kirk sues his butt off and ends up owning UC Davis. But May went on to say that what he's doing, they're doing in the name of free speech. How is it free speech when you shut down a speaker? It's because to the left, free speech is a heckler's veto. It means you get to shout down people you don't like what they're saying. And that's in the words of the leftists, that's your free speech. These people are communazis. Hitler, Idi Amin, Castro, Joe Stalin would be proud of the UC system and most alleged universities, loosely still called, in the United States. So he said, I can't stop this event from taking place based on the law unless, of course, there is a clear and present danger to the campus because I abhor the inflammatory speech of the speaker. Well, who's inflammatory? Speaker hasn't even gotten there, and he's accusing him of inflammatory speech. And what's the clear and present danger to the campus? The clear and present danger is this, that this Chancellor May will trigger by his own comments the very violence and danger that he says he has the authority to shut down and will then be able to say, having triggered, initiated, fueled, and, and inflamed the passions and the violence against all things Christian on the campus, he can say, well, there's a clear and present danger, which he created, and then shut it down. Of course, Antifa protesters showed up. Uh, they stormed the building. They even smashed through some of the glass doors. So let me ask you, Chancellor May, 
what about this clear and present danger to the campus? Well, there's no clear and present danger as long as the violence is being done by the hoods. Right? The academic hoods. He says, we have the ability to critically assess environments we are creating for ourselves and others and to work together to foster a culture of learning that is as inclusive and respectful as it is passionate and inspired, end quote. But, oh, by the way, uh, we don't want you here, and if we can create enough trouble uh, on our part, then we have a clear and present danger to be able to shut you down. See, the UC schools need an academic colonoscopy. You got to get inside to see just how bad it is. Is there cancer? Are there uh, is there are there just too many uh, democrat polyps growing in this uh, darkened environment? Well, there you go. Not to be outdone by UC. Now we move on to Maine, the state of Maine, the Deering High School hosted an event, the high school, called The History of Drag and Queer Joy. The high school is hosting this event. High school. Not just... Oh. So the so the uh, administration comes out and says, At Deering, we support all of our students and their communities. We proudly and affirm and stand with the LGBTQ plus students and staff in our community. Well, they sure don't stand with the Christians. In fact, they're there to... Trouncem. So the protest, the, uh, there was a protest to it. It said, keep drag out of our schools. The time to stand up for your kids is now. You know what? You can't stand up for them in those schools. You can try. You need to get them out. Let me just ask this question a bit rhetorically. Your child's in a building. The building is on fire. Do you go into the building to put the fire out? Or do you try to get your child out, then deal with the fire? You extricate first, and then you deal with the problem afterwards. Get them out. Don't go in there and just say, oh, i got to leave them in here. I'll try to change this or that. You know what? You're not going to do it. I mean, a little bit. Schools in Maine have repeatedly pushed woke gender identity, ideology on students. It's ridiculous. The main Department of Education. The State Department of Education has its uh, promoted the Trans Youth Equality Foundation, which supplies breast binders to children under the age of 18. I don't even want to tell you what a breast binder is. I think you can figure it out. The state has an overnight summer camp for youth who identify as trannies. And, of course, it says here that the camp is held in a confidential location of source. Of course it is, because uh, there are people in there that some of the queers that do this I want to want to. That's the tranny world is a queer world. It is. And we can prove it. Oh, Maine, where they say the men are men and so are the women. But not to be outdone by Maine. no. I can't keep going down this. I'm sick of the path I'm on here. I just, I've got to get some of this stuff out of my 
colon, so to speak, speaking of colonoscopies, huh? So Christians could now go to prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus in Israel if a bill introduced by lawmakers passes. That's right. They're looking to send Christians to prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus in the country in which Jesus was born and raised, died, crucified, and was resurrected. Wow. So the proposed law is going to make it illegal to share a Christian message if this passes. Now, Netanyahu is not going to go for this. Netanyahu meets with Christians. He knows the support that he has from real, true, bona fide Christians in the United States. So it's not law. But these Orthodox members are, are pushing it hard. They've introduced it because it would make it illegal to share the Christian message in conversation, either A, in person, B, online, C, in print, or D, by email. We'll shut you down, violators. Go to prison for a year. And with a punishment being doubled if, in fact, believers are witnessing to someone under the age of 18. Holy moly. I will tell you, the whole world is on an anti-Christian rampage. Well, anyway, I want to, you probably have heard this, but I love this guy. Uh he has just, Aaron Brooks, he won his third NCAA wrestling, national wrestling championship in the, hundred and I think, the 184-pound division. And he was interviewed by, um, uh, by, by an NCAA interviewer, and the NCAA interviewer could not shut him down and keep him from giving glory and to God, to Jesus. He kept trying to do it, um, and he just and, and Brooks wasn't having it. Brooks said, "You can only get the Holy Spirit through Him, meaning the Lord." He wrestles for uh, Penn State, and uh, he'd won his Big Ten title for an amazing third time. But he says, Christ's resurrection is everything. This reporter can't get him to shut up. Not just his life, but his death and his resurrection. No false prophets, no Muhammad, no anyone else. Well, you know what happened. The NCAA scrubbed the video. They pulled the whole thing after they got protests because Aaron Brooks said there are no false prophets, no Muhammad, and no anyone else. That was what got him into trouble. So who do we answer to? Muhammad? Of course not. He's deader in a doornail. The Chinese? Well, they shouldn't be over here, but they are. Buying our farms, buying our meat processing businesses. My goodness sakes. This is just the heckler veto. I was talking about it. Talk about free speech. 
the NCAA doesn't have the guts to air free speech because it's ticked somebody off. Wow. Well, next piece um, I want to say is enlightening in a sort of weird sort of way. Um, <laughs> an article came out that states that the IQ of Americans has dropped in four out of five areas of measurement. That's right. IQ store scores, quoting uh, John Anderer, Anderer, if I'm pronouncing that right, significantly increased from 1932 throughout the 20th century all over the world. He said this was phenomenon was known as the Flynn effect. But now, however, a new study out of Northwestern University suggests that a reverse Flynn effect is taking place in the United States. Now, here's what's interesting. The Flynn effect where people's IQ increased over seven decades throughout the world is reversing. But it appears to only be reversing in the United States. And I don't want to go into the various areas, what's, what's uh, gotten worse, logic, vocabulary, go right on down the line. Of course, vocabulary is just horrible today. I mean, I, I mean, like man, I mean, like uh, Van, like uh, this, uh, like, oh, just shut up. Um, but the left, the left never, without a floozy defense of its educational system, because they're still trying to reach their goal. They're still trying to come up to their goal of institutionalized mediocrity. There is a woman, I can't think of her name right now. I had it. Um, Dvorak, 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 D-W-O-R-A-K. I should know how to, I should know how to say that having grown up around a lot of Polish people. But I don't. Anyway, she has come out and said that this is, uh, it's, people might think that your mental ability is lower based on a difference in scores. But she said this all could be simply that people are just getting worse at taking tests or specifically worse at taking these kinds of tests, end quote. Now, you know that the NEA has been scrapping this and scrapping that because the, the statistics continue to show that we are getting less intelligent and we're getting dumber, dumb and dumber. So they scrap the test and change the test so we don't look so bad. So in other words, that we can feel really good about not doing well. So that's your leftist excuse. They could just be getting worse at taking tests. Well, let me ask you, if you keep getting worse at taking tests, doesn't that mean your IQ is going down? I mean, isn't that the conclusion here? Well, I would think so. You know, last week I said I had one last COVID piece to cover. I've got to add one more because it's so huge. You know, we know the CDC is a pack of liars. Anthony Fauci has been wrong 100% of the time. 
The guy probably deserves a death penalty after a fair trial for all the people who have died as a result of pushing these vaccines, which have not been proven to save any lives. The government's own system, the VAERS system, as it is called, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, has indicated and acknowledged 34,000 deaths in the United States due to the shots, the jabs. Because the VAERS system is a voluntary system, those who have died can't report. They're dead. The people whose loved ones have died don't report because they're dealing with the shock of the death. The doctors don't have the cojones nor the nurses, for the most part, to turn in the deaths because they're afraid that they'll get reprimanded, lose their funding, whatever. So conservatively speaking, it's estimated that far less than 10% of all the deaths are actually reported, which if that's true, that means that not 34,000 have died from the fake vaccine. 340,000 have died of the fake vaccine. And there are some that indicated that the VAERS underreporting is as high as 98 or 99%, which means would mean that of all the millions that have died, 3 million died from the shot. So why is what I'm saying here different than what I've been sharing in the past? It's because finally there is a group that has come out and shared the light, and this is a group of great credibility. It is the Arizona-based, it's not confined to Arizona, but it's the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. This is no small rinky-dink outfit. This is no backwater group of hacks. The American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. Association of American Physicians. i got to say it correctly, because it's not the American Medical Association, which is in the tank with the drug companies. The incestuous relationship that exists between Big Pharma, the AMA, and, of course, the CDC and the WHO. What have they done that is so alarming? This renowned and significant and good-sized group has said, withdraw all COVID shots from the market right now. And they go on to actually list 10 reasons. One, COVID-19 injections are under emergency use authorization and must be considered experimental. Informed consent is a bedrock principle of medical ethics, yet millions of people have taken COVID-19 injections under duress, Force. You got to take it or you lose your job. That's not informed consent. It's a little addition from my part. The long term effects of the mRNA and DNA technology cannot possibly be known. Number three, there are numerous safety signals, including excess sudden deaths, that would in the past have prompted immediate withdrawal of vaccines or drugs from the market. Now, I want to tell you, before I go to number four, every time I see a died suddenly event, I print it out. i got a stack one inch thick 
19-year-olds, 29-year-olds. Sure, these we've had 19-year-olds and 29-year-olds that have died and 45-year-olds just falling flat on their face with good, perfect health waiting for a train or subway. It's happening all over the place. But they won't give the cause of death. They don't have autopsies. They just say they died unexpectedly of unexplained causes. The only thing that's changed has been the stupid jab. And all of this, all of this notoriety has occurred in the last two years. We didn't have articles two and a half years ago that just said uh, 45-year-old uh, uh, or whatever, 25-year-old athlete drops dead on soccer field. Didn't have those. Number four, the expected intensive, sophisticated investigations of reported adverse effects associated with COVID-19, quote, vaccination, end quote, which it isn't, includes myocarditis, pericarditis, paralysis, thromboembolisms, menstrual abnormalities, unusual cancers, fetal deaths. Number five. COVID-19 genetic injections have not been shown in randomized controlled trials to be effective in preventing infection, transmission, hospitalization, or death. There's five. got to listen to the other five when we come back. Don't go away. Robin Walters Show. The Robin Walters Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio. P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. I had plans for dinner. Said no thanks, ma'am. Back home, we like the girls that sing soprano. Cause where I come from, it's cornbread and chicken. Where I come from, a lot of front porch sitting. Where I come from, trying to make a living. We are back, the Robin Walters Show. Before the break, I had given you the first five reasons that the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, highly reputable organization, have come out against all vaccine shots in all circumstances. Number six, I got to speed this up. In children who have virtually zero likelihood of death from COVID, there is no evidence, zero, of benefit exceeding risks for these products. Seven, regulatory agencies are corrupted. This is huge. Regulatory agencies have been corrupted by conflicts of interest lack of transparency, lack of accountability, and I'd like to add on my own, money, the big green. They've gone green, as in dollar bills. Eight, vaccine-injured patients have little, if any, expectation of compensation. 
And manufacturers are shielded from liability. Liability protection must be ended. Well, it actually does not exist if you can prove that they purposely misrepresented, uh, the, which is why they work so hard and have to withhold their data for 75 years. Nine, all mandates, including requirements for school attendance or work, should immediately be withdrawn. Number 10, COVID-19 genetic injections should be withdrawn from the market. So I'm going to say this. I may offend some of you. If you are still going out there planning to get your shot or getting the booster, then you are proving, actually, in my opinion, that the previous article was correct, that Americans actually are getting less intelligent and less more, more dumber, <laughs> as uh, a grandson would say. You're getting more dumber. Doesn't say that to me. He wouldn't get away with it. But he has said that. So all, if you're doing that, it only proves the, the truth of the previous piece. Okay. You know, sometimes the whole racist crapola, it goes so overboard. It's, it, I can't even anticipate the next one, and I don't want to cover it until something is even more ridiculous. But in response to apparently a trend that I am not the least bit familiar with, because I don't watch TikTok, I don't look at, I hardly look at anything. I read, I don't watch. I tend to read. That there are people. There's this trend with people, presumably women, who are uh, like to display their organized and very stylish home pantry. I don't get this. I mean, got all the jars there all lined up, and I'm looking at a picture of them. I don't work with pictures, but I see a picture. That's the only one. With everything all lined up in the pantry and these neat jars and labeled and so forth. But now an associate professor of marketing, Jenna Drenton at Loyola University, and you might want to rethink Loyola University after this one, calls this pantry porn. That's right. And she contends that women showing off a fully stocked kitchen and methodically organized home supplies is racist. I'm not kidding you. Do you know every time something like stupid like this comes out and they claim to be racist, do you know what they're really saying? We're trying to show you this is what the person claiming it to be racist is saying. The blacks are stupid. That's what they're saying. If Are they saying that blacks can't have a fully stocked pantry? That's racism if you have a fully Only white women have fully stocked pantries? Oh, my gosh. It just is unbelievable. Now, move on to Utah. I don't ever cover this state, but... We're getting to something here you you have to hear, and we're going to go to school in just a minute, so hang on. But there's a Utah middle school where the teacher there has been teaching children that cows are ruining the planet. No, it's teachers like this one in Utah that are ruining the planet, but nonetheless, and that we should be feeding people, we should be feeding on bugs instead of meat. 
So this is in the Nebo, N-E-B-O, school district. I don't know what, uh, I don't know where Nebo lines up in the world of Mormonism. I have no idea. Maybe he or she doesn't. But this teacher gave sixth grade students insects to eat last week as part of an English assignment on climate change. The teacher said that feeding the kids bugs would save the environment from cows, which were killing the world. And, you know, I mean, I just have this sneaky suspicion that let's say this this lesson was after lunch. What did the teacher have for lunch? Nothing in, in, in here indicates at all that the teacher participated in the bug consumption event. Right? And I doubt seriously that she's an advocate of the Old Testament and she's trying to encourage kids to emulate John the Baptist who ate locusts and wild honey. And I might add, what locusts are one of the edible or clean insects, very few, listed in Deuteronomy. But my guess is this teacher had a cheeseburger during lunch and then came into class and made her kids eat a bunch of disgusting insects. Now, here's the deal. I don't necessarily mind these so much because the kids are going to learn how disgusting insects are. And you, and this teacher unwittingly, stupidly, foolishly the has now probably made these kids cheeseburger fans for the rest of their lives. And gosh, I hope so. Well, we're going to school. Um, we are. You're going to learn a little bit of law today here. I think this part is just fascinating. And then we're going to learn some financial stuff from the Word of God that relates to last week's program. Um, okay, we have the FACE Act. That's the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which is covers access to clinics, which would include pregnancy centers. But the FBI, the Federal Batch of Incompetence, which is what they're turning into, have only really applied the bill, uh, the act, and their authority against pro-lifers. This is the weaponization of the Department of Injustice and the FBI. So I don't want to repeat the story about the guy with seven kids who heard the knock on the door uh, the one morning, and the seven kids are inside hollering and screaming while, what, 25, 30 armed with semi-automatic rifles. FBI agents are outside to uh, take him in because he supposedly supposedly pushed a clinic employee or a clinic uh, guide or a clinic escort at a, uh, a child-killing center. But this is the inter- – here's the law. This is amazing. The Thomas More Society is going to pick up on this, and that is the freedom of access to clinics entrances was only held constitutional. There was never nobody's challenged the constitutionality, but it's going to be. And why? Because the law was only constitutional as long as slaughtering the unborn was constitutional.
but it's not. It's not. Supreme Court overturned that in the Dobbs decision. So if it's not constitutionally protected to slaughter your children, either in the womb or on the birthing stool, if it's not constitutionally protected, then this act is unconstitutional because it simply now becomes a content-based form of discrimination against pro-life people. There's no constitutional right being protected by this act. Amazing, huh? This is just, I mean, I am so excited about this case. I really am because it's just, it, it, this is one of the consequences that no one thought of. No one thought of in the Dobbs decision eliminating a constitutional right to slaughter the unborn. That other things, other federal legislation, the constitutionality of this other legislation hinged on the constitutional right to slaughter the unborn. And when that's not a constitutional right, then some of these other things start to fall flat. I feel like going and provoking someone at these clinics just to test the constitutionality. But I got I'm busy with the program. That's my excuse. Okay. Janet Yellen, uh, which interestingly rhymes with smelling. It's smelling. Uh, she has come out, as you may well know, and said that the federal government, the feds, now have a right, they can pick and choose what banks are going to be winners and which banks are going to be losers after bailing out Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey uh, Gavin Grusom's wife, and all the, the star-studded cast that dumped tons of money into the Silicon Valley Bank, and now you and I get to pay for it. We absolutely do get to pay for it. One depositor who's been nameless so far, had $400 million in the bank, only insured up to 250000 But all $3 million, I'm sorry, $399,750,000 will be returned to that individual. He gets it back. Special deal. Langford, Senator Langford, a great senator out of the great state of Oklahoma, grilled Yellen and showed her to be the gutless, moronic, left-wing libtard that she is. She is not smart. She's just loyal to the leftist cause. And so the question he asked her is this. So, uh... Ms. Yellen, however you addressed her, will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size or who the donors are, be fully insured now without limit? Are they fully covered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that the Silicon Valley Bank depositors got? Listen to her response. A bank, quote, a bank only gets the treatment if a majority of the FDIC board 
a supermajority of the Fed, federal board, and I, in consultation with the president, determined that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. Translated, we, the elite, the ivory tower airheads, putting inserting my words there, get to choose, pick and choose the winners and the losers. And you know who the losers are going to be? All the small community banks that Langford is talking about whose deposits will not be insured over $250,000. And because of the risk of losing those deposits, those are depositors are going to run to banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo and all of these banks, which are all part of the World Economic Forum, top of the list, preferred banks who drive the woke agenda and have a score of 100% on the queer and tranny guides of the human rights campaign. Fully woke while the others will go broke, whether it's queerdom or driving the general overall agenda of forcing us into the banks with whom we will have to deal with a federal digital currency. All of which leads me to my final piece. All right. So, are there lessons to be learned in all this from Scripture? Yes, I'm going to save the best one for last. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, and it said that he actually was the richest man who ever lived, that if you took what was estimated to be his wealth and then adjust it over time, uh, he was his net worth was over $2 trillion. So suck it up, Elon, Jeff Bezos, George Soros, all you other mega-billionaires. Your chump change to Solomon. So he had some things that he said that I want to share, and I want to finish with a particular admonition to everybody listening out there. But number one, and this is really pretty much all coming out of the book of Ecclesiastes, an interesting, if not sometimes puzzling, book. But number one is money does not satisfy. Ecclesiastes 5.10. You can write it down. The left only responds to a financial spanking. The left is in love with money because money means control. But it's a dangerous thing. You'll, you'll compromise. All the doctors who knew better but for the love of money gave in to the CDC, whether, whether the COVID shots, whether it's the payments, whether it's the hospitals, including mail, which I'd like to shred if I could, but I can't right now, for the horrible advice I got from them after I had an experience that was great with them. The love of money. They're covetous. The Tenth Commandments, the violation. That's Ecclesiastes 5.10. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Number two, I'm going to save to the end. I have it on my list here about diversification. But I'm going to save that to the end. I'm going to go to number three. There is never a perfect time 
Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. And borrowing from the writer of this, who I, I really appreciate, uh, who put some of this stuff together from the four money lessons uh, from the richest man ever to live, uh, he said, quote, I think the reason that some of us wait for the perfect time to do something is because we are trying to wait until there is no risk. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. It's human nature. We want to eliminate any and all risk of bad things happening. That's why this whole equity crapola pushed by the left is not about equal opportunity anymore. It's about equal result, taking the risk out of everything and making sure you end up with just as much as the person who took all the risk. Not biblical. In fact, I told a person just yesterday who was recommending a particular realtor for a piece of business that I'm involved in. So this guy is great. He should have gotten into business a year ago, though, or two years ago when the market was really hopping. And I said, I'm sorry, but I disagree. It's the time to get into something is when that industry is not doing well. You're not making any money when you get into the business anyway. So learn the business while you're not making any money. Let all the people who are no longer making any money get out of it. But why get into it when you're riding the crest of an abnormal wave? You think it's shooting fish in a barrel when all of a sudden all the fish are dead or the barrel's got a leak and all the water's gone. Don't wait till it's perfect. Pick the time when it's not so good financially as far as the economic environment. Go into the real estate business when real estate is down. Go into other businesses where it's down and people are fleeing it. There's never a perfect time. That's Ecclesiastes 11, four, uh, number four. Work smarter, not harder. Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, if the axe is dull and was one does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert strength. He must exert more strength. This one goes out to a very dear friend of mine by the name of Rick in California. Buddy, yeah, that one's for me, if, or for you, from me for you, to you. You know this passage, if the axe is dull, it doesn't sharpen the edge, then you must exert more strength. Now, diversification. This is really, really important. You need to be diversified in this world. You have to. It says in Ecclesiastes 11.12, Divide your assets into seven or even eight things, for you don't know what kind of disaster shall come upon the earth. It doesn't say if. It says when. So let me jump back to the yelling and smelling piece that I just did. How do you diversify here? Well, for starters, you don't have more than 250000 in any one bank. Spread the risk around. Maybe you change account titles to uh, to augment that. Now, many of you might say, well, look, I don't have more than two fifty, so it doesn't matter. Some people listening to this do. But that's only the beginning point. It's not the end. That's just the beginning. The fact of the matter is you need to be diversified among more things than just the banks. So what did Solomon have? Well, he had camels. He had an, he had oxes and asses. He had uh, probably chickens. I don't know. Who knows what he had? But he also had barley and grapes. 
avocados, who knows what all he had. Because one year, maybe the barley crop gets wiped out, but it doesn't touch the grapes. Maybe the thing that the disease that got his goats does not get his sheep or his oxes or his asses. So you diversify. This is from Solomon. Well, you say, how do we get to seven or eight things? Well, let me just throw out seven or eight things, and maybe on a different program we'll have to deal with how do you get to them. But you might just start out with the one that everybody thinks about is stocks. And they only think about diversification in the world of stocks. Well, you ought to have some fixed income stocks. You ought to have some growth stocks. You ought to have some international stocks. You ought to have some national stocks. Well, maybe that's kind of diversification, but actually only within one item of investment. Stocks, the stock world, the stock and bond world. So maybe you have some stocks. I told you last week, and I told you incorrectly, that Keurig was a good moral company that makes Dr. Pepper and as a contrast to Pepsi and Coke, which has gone so totally woke, they're totally down the rat hole to hell and the whole queer tranny agenda and everything else. I told you Keurig was good. It was not. That was a mistake I found out after the program. So now I'm down to drinking water at restaurants, water only. Or tea. But the where are your investments? What besides stock could be fixed income, which is a bond, your lending money. Maybe it's in cash and you got a CD. Maybe it's in real estate. Maybe you have a little bit of farmland. You may need it real soon. Maybe you have a little bit of commercial. Maybe you um, you buy ten acres of timber in Georgia which costs you maybe, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. you got some timber. Maybe oil rights. You can buy those in smaller quantities. Maybe gold, silver, copper. Now, you don't store up, like it says, where thieves will break in and steal. You don't hoard it. It's just part of the diversification. And there are places in Scripture where God says that he would bless. In fact, it's back in Deuteronomy. Is one of the places that it blessed the obedient people with gold and silver. How about that? That's seven. Is there number eight? He says seven, even eight. Sounds like seven's minimum, eight's optional. I have a number eight. Guns and ammo. He said, well, what kind of investment that is? was that? It's a darn good one. First of all, as Guns will become harder to get, although, here's a piece of good news, 43 months in a row last month, one million or more gun sales in the United States. 43 months in a row. However, their value of guns and ammo will go up in time as the restrictions increase and more people surrender them at, uh, turn them in for a $50 stupid Kmart card at some county building in some whacked out state. Diversify. You do not know what's going to prosper. You plant all of your seeds. You don't wait till the time is perfect. Some seeds will come up, some will not. But what comes up? David said, you said that, that he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed, meaning God's seed, begging for bread. That will never happen. Not everything will produce. But what produces will be enough to sustain you in the absolute worst times 
even though the country as a whole could be going down a veritable rat hole. This is Robin Walter encouraging you, America, to sit tall in the saddle. Remember, ride to the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. We'll see you next time.